I didn't get that part. Apparently, Hitchcock, when he was, whenever he summoned him onto set, would call him Master Bates. Nice. Yeah, apparently he was a five-year-old. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and today I finally watched Psycho. And this is Alon, and I also finally watched Psycho. This is the 1960s Alfred Hitchcock movie, not the 1998 Gus Van Sant shot for shot remake, which still makes no sense. If you're going to redo it, you got to change things up because this movie doesn't work. It doesn't work in the 90s. It definitely doesn't work now as far as the the setup of the story. um, It just doesn't work. So, so when you say it doesn't work, you just simply mean like things are too outdated for things to be believable. It's just too slow. Oh, you think it's too slow? Okay. Well, I mean, the first you know, this is a horror movie, and the first forty-eight minutes is about a woman stealing forty thousand dollars from her work. <laughs> yeah, it's like a crime thriller. And not to say I didn't like the movie, I'm just saying that doesn't work now. Um, I was thinking like people from from 1960 walking to the theater, not really knowing what this movie is about, only knowing it's a horror movie called Psycho. And then for the first 48 minutes being like, is she the psycho? Guess she's the psycho. I could see that, especially like when she's in the car thinking to herself and imagining all these scenarios. And I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like, what was actually happening back home as she's running away or uh, you know, if this is just all in her mind, her imagining these like people that she's stolen the money from. She has like <laughs> a plot, uh, plot twist that she has ESP and she can just read minds of people and conversations from hundreds of miles away. Yeah. They don't confirm that in the movie though. Um, um, I thought it was interesting because I was like, how does she know what conversations these people are having that she is nowhere near them? And then I was like, oh, she's imagining these conversations as in like a worst case scenario for herself. Well, except with the conversation about the, uh, the oil guy, uh, Cassidy, she was actually like happy with what he was, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to take the money from her or you know, I'll take it from her skin. Can you imagine, like she was flirting with me and then she didn't even look at the money. She was planning this the whole time. And you could see like her smiling, uh, Marion smiling. Like, yeah, I did fucking plan this. I did just take your money from you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the first time she's thinking about like, you know, uh, practicing something in her head is when she's talking to um, her lover, uh, Sam. She's like imagining what it's going to be like when she finds him in California and explains to him, you know, I took this money. Uh, so that one obviously has to be fake, but the others all could be like a, just a way of explaining what's happening, but also it's just in her mind. Um, because like everything happens that way. The sister goes to Sam to figure out if, if she's there, the oil tycoon hires a PI to find her. Um, Although the PI is much nicer about it because he just wants the money back and they're not even going to involve the police, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, okay, so let's kind of jump in. Uh, It it opens up with... with What I found interesting about this movie is that it's, it's long monologues between characters. And then when no one's talking, the movie actually... Uh, goes quite quickly but it starts out with this kind of like this long monologue between uh, her and her lover Sam um, about first I thought Sam was married because it really seemed like they were talking about like they really shouldn't be doing this they got to be like real chill about this he can't really you know what I mean so I, I didn't think I thought it was an affair the way they were acting about it yeah I guess it was just tawdry because they were just basically having sex. Ooh. Um, it was 1960. But um, yeah, he was, he was divorced. He was very poor because he had to pay his dad's debts and pay alimony. Um, and yeah, just for some reason, they decided just to meet in secret 
and uh yeah and the, the that that being the opening scene of like a horror movie especially if you know what it's about now i like when it opens i'm just like, okay like I, I had no idea like the the first 40 minutes of this i was just like what is going on in this movie like you're, i, I, <laughs> I know we're gonna like I know we're going to get to the Bates Motel. It's just like, why are we not at the Bates Motel? Like, and it wasn't, it was not bad, right? It was very, very good, very well done, great dialogue. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's just the fact that it is, it's yeah. not, I want to say slow, but it's just like, it's just building up in kind of a purposeful, very determined, kind of slow way. So... Follow me here, because I think nowadays, if this movie was made, it would have probably started the second she drove up to the Bates Motel. And I think one of the big flaws in this movie is that at the end of this movie, it's this, like, what feels like a forever monologue by the psychiatrist explaining the breakdown of norman bates psyche right mm -hmm. and i feel like if they took that time to monologue about that they could have replaced that with explaining oh she stole forty thousand dollars from her work and ran away with it and now she's like on the run and you instead of showing that you explain that and then you actually show more norman bates psychological breakdown instead of explaining it does that make sense uh i'm saying we if need... you were to make that movie today that's what i'm saying yeah no i get you i um i didn't think we needed any more of the breakdown because the whole point of the movie is the reveal so i didn't think that we needed to show it anymore i liked kind of how subtle that was i i just think like you could probably make the movie tighter. You could take 10 minutes from the, from the beginning. You could take the, the, the Norman Bates cleaning up the shower scene is about five minutes long of from her being dead to the car going into the swamp. is like five to seven minutes. And I was like, why <laughs> we don't need all that. Also, you know, if you think about it as far as like setup scenes, just thinking like, okay, she's talking to Sam. What does that establish in the movie? That established that she has a love interest, that they're in debt, that they want to run away and move away together and buy a house. Okay. And then the next scene is, okay, she works for this, I guess, like what, real estate guy? And then um, this guy purchased this real estate for $40,000 and he's paying all in cash and it's her job to take it to the bank. Instead of taking it to the bank, she runs away with it. Me just explaining that to you in five seconds was 50 minutes of the movie. Also, can we talk about how weird that cop was? Yeah. I mean, when I first, when I watched, I watched the movie a second time or most of it a second time before we started. And the first time I watched it, I was like, what is up with this cop? Now she was acting super weird um very not subtle when you know she first got pulled over because she was asleep in her car um but then when he finally lets her go because he doesn't really have any reason to stop her uh she, he follows her but then he turns off in a different direction like on an exit but somehow finds her immediately like after that at, at the car dealership, which is super confusing. And I think that is supposed to be a stand-in a little bit for the horror that would be missing from the beginning. Just the fact, like, how is this dude finding her? And, like, how freaked out she is about, like, the decision she made to take this money. Yeah. I mean, another thing that doesn't make sense is her buying a brand-new car. I guess it's not a brand-new car. It's a used car. Um, but, like... Okay, so the, the sheriff was basically stalking her from the other side of the street, which was, which was odd, which was weird. But then if you're buying... Okay, how do I say this? They make a lot of a big deal about her license plate. 
And then she makes a big deal about other people's California plates. So it makes you think that she's buying this new car to get away from the suspicion that she's driving her car by switching plates. Um, but then she sees the cop, still buys the car, is as suspicious as all can be about it. But that doesn't make any sense because she buys the car in front of the cop. Yeah, I agree. I, um, although I do think she probably just wants to blend in now that she's in California. I think that's the whole point. But as far as this one cop, if she had just kept going and not stopped at that, uh, if she had not stopped to get the new car, which had taken some time, she might've avoided the rain and then made it to Sam, you know? I guess. Yeah, no, I found the cop to be very weird. Uh, also, the, the car salesman, like, trying to talk her out of giving him cash immediately for the new car. Yeah, I, I actually, that was one of my favorite scenes. And going back a little bit, um, Marion's, uh, like, workmate, <laughs> who just is like, oh, you have a headache? Well, I have these tranquilizers that I have for my wedding day. Why does she still have tranquilizers from her wedding day? I'm pretty sure it was like the 1960s answers to like Xanax. <laughs> I also really like that after the cowboy goes into the boss's office, she's like, oh, wow, he was flirting with you. He must have seen my wedding ring. It's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's totally why. You know how some of the, the dialogue in this movie is aged horribly, but then other times this dialogue in the movie is actually pretty modern. Like I thought some of the conversations and some of the, sarcastic choices and stuff like that was like pretty like it would still hold up today uh yeah particularly i think marion's dialogue was really well well done her dialogue to the cowboy guy Agreed. uh one 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 line i really liked he's like are you ha he asked if she was happy and she's like you know not inordinately or are you unhappy and she's like not inordinately just like you know i'm unhappy as everyone else which is kind of fucking like oh wow you are unhappy <laughs> Yeah, like if that's your answer, it's like, oh, you know, I'm as unhappy as all people. You know, it's a very pessimistic view. Um, but yeah, I agree with with her dialogue on that part. Um, I also i I did enjoy the driving stuff along with like the dialogue. I just thought the the driving stuff, how freaked out she was. I thought her acting in those scenes was really good, considering she didn't have that much to do in the moment. Um, I also really liked this is jumping ahead just a tiny bit, but we're probably going to get to the Bates stuff and spend most of our time there. Her driving in the rain and like not being able to see and like freaking out about it. I was like, oh, that, that actually is very, it was like very well done. Like for the movie, like yeah. it was a good excuse. Like, cause I like, as you're watching the screen, like I can't see shit either. She has to get off the road. How did you, and then we'll jump into the uh, Bates motel stuff, but how did you feel about her when she's running away, when she's leaving town running into her boss and the business guy walking across the crosswalk. No, I thought that was really cool. I really like that scene. I like how he looks back and he's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but then it's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go get drunk. I'll just, I'll just keep, I guess she lied to me about the headache, but whatever. She had something else to do. Um, I did also last thing. I like the line from the cowboy of like, I never, I never carry more money than I'm able to lose which is also just Marion's way of like, okay, well, you, if you can afford to lose 40K, that's, that's great. And then you know, I'll just take it. Um, and also I didn't, I noticed, I noticed the bras, but I didn't really think about the symbolism, symbolism of it. But she, when she's with Sam in the beginning, she's got a white bra. And then right after she leaves work and has the money, she's wearing a black bra just to show kind of like the, that she's pure to, oh, she's decided to commit. You're saying only, uh, only the villains in Westerns wear black hats. And the and the good guys were white. I'm saying there was some symbolism put into the movie. I think there's a lot of symbolism put into the movie. I mean, it's it's kind of funny how. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about was the inflation rates of 1960 compared to now, because so he bought like something like a huge amount, like a basically a mansion, and we were supposed we we're supposed to believe forty thousand dollars. I guess is like what what you would equal to $400,000 by today's standards. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, when she traded her car in, like the most expensive car 
on the lot was like 3,500 bucks. And so her trade in value was only $700, um, $700 left. So, so I thought that was kind of just funny to like live in a time where it's like, if you trade in a brand new car for a, you know, a car you bought to, to a car off the lot, you're talking about $7,000 to be your, you know, the money you would have to pay back. But the, $700 is just kind of funny to me. And then she's like, and later on, uh, obviously me jumping ahead, she's writing down on a piece of paper, the very hard calculation of what 40,000 minus $700 is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think she could have done it in her head. Although I have no idea what her job is. I guess her job, I guess this guy needs two secretaries to just print stuff out. I don't know. I don't know. I was kind of trying to figure that out too. And then I was like, did she have like an executive role at this company? I was like, no, she's a woman in the 60s. <laughs> did you notice Hitchcock in the back of the scene of that when she walks into the office? No. Well, because he always does a cameo in his movies. Yeah. And he's like, he's standing outside the window oh. in, like a, in like a cowboy hat. I did not notice it. I had, I had to look it up to go back and find it. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> Um, so now we're at the point where she pulls over to the basement hotel. And I do think it's interesting. I didn't have this thought until afterwards. I, I kind of I kind of did the first time. But if it weren't for the rain, she would have just kept going, right? And this rain is like the thing that punishes her. But also, when she gets there, she's like, I'm hungry. And he's like, oh, well, it's 10 miles to this diner that's near Fairview. And she's like, I'm that close to Fairview? And he's like, yeah, you're 15 miles. Which even if she's driving like, you know, I mean, it's like half an hour at most if she's driving on like back roads is that where she was trying to get to yeah fairview is where sam lived shit, shit dude i would have just gone the 15 miles well and it's like oh it stopped raining and you can see as he says like fairview's 15 minutes away she's like or 15 miles away she's like ah shit really i could have just kept going but she's sort of already committed to this so she's just gonna stay the night she's also super trusting one for a woman who's just by herself on this road trip, but two for someone who's like committed a crime and is trying to lay low, like to, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, yeah. I would assume she would have just like gone into a room and been like, all right, thanks. But like kind of the way Norman describes it later that like, yeah, she went into a room, stayed there all night, left early in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, if some dude who owns a creepy motel out in the middle of fucking nowhere offers you sandwiches and milk in the back parlor of his office, you say no. Except she wanted him to come into her hotel room to begin with. Yeah, it was very weird. She's, um, like you said, she's very trusting. Yeah, it's funny. It's the first time you see Norman, which is not really him, but as the character is he's dressed in his mother's clothes, like in the window of the, of the house. Yeah. You don't, let me ask you, this is a good as time as any to talk about this. What did you know going into watching this today? I knew everything. Okay. So I knew about the shower scene, obviously. And you and I talked about like its placement of when it was in the movie. And then as I'm going through it, I was like, Oh yeah, wait, is the mom, is the mom already dead? The mom is. Yeah. I was like, Oh wait, and then as the shower scene comes, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He is playing the mom. I was like, you know, it was coming back to me of these, like, you know, this, these pieces of, like, pop culture trivia that you remember. So, I mean, it's not like I've ever seen the movie from front to back. That's, you know, this is definitely the first time I've done that. But I knew from, like you said, pop, uh, pop culture references. And I think it's just, like, so many horror movies and thriller movies nowadays take from from psycho the you know even even like notorious notorious serial killers um you know real actual serial killers they all have mommy issues and stuff like that right and so mm -hmm. this is kind of where it's really spawned i'm not saying psycho created serial killers um although the timeline of the 70s serial killer uprising kind of flows into this but um you know they they all have mommy issues and whether it's you use skin people and you wear their skin or you wear their clothes it's kind of like all the same and in, in, in like the 
psycho 101 sort of thing, you know? So yeah, I knew about the shower scene. I knew that uh, Norma Bates was dead. Norman had both personalities and dressed up as his mother and kept her corpse. That's all. That's the main stuff I knew. I didn't even know about the personality part. Um, I just knew that he dressed up as her. I didn't realize why. Um, And you know what? This movie, I think, is really effective on a second watch in that you realize how great of an actor Anthony Perkins, who plays Norman Bates, is. Because he's got this, like, aw shucks, boy next door personality, like, really sweet and charming thing going for him and you're just like as i'm watching it's like i can't believe this fucking dude is the psycho like is a psycho you know what i mean like it's just so crazy and the fact that he was able to do that is just so great and you see the subtle changes throughout as like he's being accused specifically with the arbogast the pi um his acting in this he didn't get nominated uh but he was really great in this movie um, I thought the subtlety in his conversation, his first conversation in the parlor with Marion, um, and she struck a chord when she was when she mentioned that maybe he should put his mom in like a a facility, and I think you saw Mama Bates come out a little bit right then and there when he when he does the lean in, you know. And then he like backs away and he's all like, you said boy next door sort of thing. He's like, um, put her in some place. He's like, everyone says some place. When they're talking about Have that. Have been place. to one of those places? <laughs> Which makes you think also that maybe Norman was um, institutionalized when he was younger. I don't know. That, that had me thinking a bit. We have to watch Psycho 2, 3, or 4 to figure that out. Uh, is there a Psycho 4? I saw there was a 2 and a 3. There's a Psycho 4. It's a TV movie, and it also stars Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I, and yeah, I, I saw that too. But it's crazy. Hitchcock didn't do that, right? No, I don't think he did two, I don't think he did 2 or 3 either. Yeah. But I could be wrong about that. It's, it's amazing that he didn't have a much greater career. I was looking back, and obviously I don't know older movies that well. He was nominated before this for like a supporting actor. Wasn't nominated for this movie. But like... Nothing else I've seen where I was like, oh, I know that movie. I know that movie. You know, and it's just, it, I almost wonder if this sort of hurt his career because of how iconic this was. But he is so great in this movie. Um, and uh, we can start like going through this. One of my favorite things is when he's checking her in and he's asking her to sign the book and he's just being so nice. And I don't really get the meaning of this, but I, I, I'm wondering he's like, Oh, please write down the city. And he turns around and he's going to grab a key and he's going two or three. And she says, Los Angeles. And then his hand immediately moves over to one and grabs one, which one's the only one he could spy on her. Actually, I have a theory about that. He thinks all LA girls are easy. (laughs) No, no. Uh, I think he could spy into any room. If he's in the next room, there's probably a peephole un, uh, behind every picture frame in every room. Yeah, but I think it's purposeful that he then chooses one because it's the one from his. Yeah, and I, I, didn't, I noticed that too. I didn't quite get why it had to be one when she said L.A. Because um, L.A. girls are easy. I'm telling you, oh. that's what he thought. Okay. Okay. I think something about it titillated him. And he was like, I mean, he's very clearly interested because he, he invites her to dinner. And she says yes. And he's, you know, she's, he's even going to let her come into his own house. And she's kind of like, he's clearly interested in her and she's going to come. But then the mom gets in the way because the mom always gets in the way because she's becoming the dominant personality, right? Um, Do you think, how the hell was she able to hear that conversation from the motel room to the house? I had the same question. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. I think it's just, yeah, I don't know, plot bullshit. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. It's... Yeah, it, it makes it makes no sense that she would be able to hear it that clearly. He had to have been screaming, so um, I don't know. Um, and at this point, she's still having like all the anxiety. She hides hides the money in the newspaper for some reason. Um, I don't know. 
they also play with that that newspaper too because like you know after she dies they go pan on the newspaper right before they go pan on the house and then you hear uh norman scream mother oh my god mother blood blood what what did you do he runs down there and then he clears out the entire hotel room and forgets the newspaper and i'm like oh that's forty thousand. is that how he's gonna get caught and then goes back in it's like the director and the you know playing with the director hitchcock playing with like oh is he gonna forget this money he's like no he didn't forget it and he took it and he threw it in the trunk and it's gone, which is probably also like the audience is like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's just gone. Like, ah, oh, it's just thrown away basically. Yeah. Uh. And then, you know, he comes back and he's like, oh, we can't go to the house. And she's like, well, come to my room. Let's eat. And then he's like, no, let's go to the office. And then once they get in the office, he's like, oh, you know, the office that's, you know, let's go into the parlor. You're like okay, why? What's, what's up with this? I was thinking like this guy is the is great at lure luring people into rooms. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I was just like, why is she so trusting? I just don't get it. Yeah, this is this is also where we get Norman's activity, hobbyistic activity of taxiderm taxiderm. It's more than a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> A hobby is to pass the time. This fills the time. I don't know. He also tells her that uh, a boy's best friend is his mother. And she's telling, telling a woman you're interested in a bunch of stuff that you don't really need to tell her. You know, he, could, he needs to work on that maybe. So, yes, I agree with you. A boy's best friend is his mother is a creepy line. But I think what tops that is something he says right before, right after, where he's like, a son can only come second close to a lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's the pushy one right there. Not not great. Um yeah, we already talked about the put her someplace and gets angry. Um but it's funny is he, he gets super angry and then and this is his him kind of turning back into normal a little bit and he's like, But I've suggested it too. Yeah, like, exactly. I've thought about putting her in there. Um, and then he says something, he's got the line about like, we all go a little mad sometimes and you know, don't you agree? And she's like, I expected her to be like, no, no, <laughs> in fact, but she's like, yeah. And it's kind of at this point, she's like, this dude's so fucking crazy. I need to take this money and go back to Phoenix and turn myself in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually her line that she says, I actually love it. I think it's one of the, one, you know, the thing about this is that, yeah, maybe some of the normal uh conversation dialogue is a little outdated but there's some one-liners in here that just stick with you so when he says maybe we all go a little mad sometime and she goes yeah but it only takes one time i thought that was great right no i agree Um, and and her stealing that money i think she realized that was her one time and now it's like okay it's time to kind of like turn back in you know and she's looking at that 700 like, all right, well, I got to figure out how to pay off $700 because she obviously doesn't make that much money. So that's a lot of money. She probably have to like give up her car or something. Um, and then the last line of this is so creepy where she's like, thank you. And he's like, thank you, Norman. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> is that the mom or is that Norman talking? Because oh, either, either way, it's weird. It's so weird. Um, okay, so she goes back to her room and he takes off the little picture frame thing and there's a peephole and he watches her get undressed. And then... Which I, I heard the, the main difference between uh, this version and the 98 version is it's a little like naughtier. And I guess when he's looking through the peephole, he's sort of taking care of himself in, in the updated version. So it's not shot for shot. I didn't get... Maybe it's just some extra breathing, so it might be shot for shot. It's an extra um, one, shot. Well done. One thing I, I wanted to point out real quick, too, is as, as they're done, she says to him, you know, thanks, whatever. She tells him her real name at that point because she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm, I'm done with this. I've, I've fucked up. And he then looks at the guest book and he's like, oh, she lied about her name, which is important later on. But he just, he notices it and then kind of moves on and, you know, watches her. He goes back into the, the Bates house. Yeah. 
there's a lot of times where Hitchcock does a good job of you or of, of letting the audience think that the mom is a separate character by showing Norman Bates going into one room and then the mom being either in the window of the house. Um, and what I really liked was the subtlety of when the PI came in. Yes. Okay. So the PA PI comes back for the second time to question the mom and you see Norman going into the opposite side of the motel, like the farthest side away from the house. PI goes up into the house and then obviously Norman is there and kills him. But you're like, wait a minute. How does he get there that fast? Because it's not his mom. You find out in the end. Because when uh, Marion's sister, what's her name, Lily? Yeah, Lila. Lila, thank you. Lila is at the other end of the motel, but you see that there's a, there's a walkthrough right yeah. from there to the house, and you're like, ah. And without the movie spelling it out for you, that's how you figure out he got from A to B so quickly uh, was from that shot at the end of the movie. Right. Um, so now we're at the shower scene. And one thing when I was, you know, the, the shower scene is fairly iconic. You've seen, obviously, still frames of it, pictures. If you've ever watched any compilation of movies, you've probably actually seen the scene. And the whole time we're with Marion, I was like, she doesn't really look like the woman in the shower. And then she gets in the shower and the shower pulls all her hair down. I was like, that is her. <laughs> it's like the scene's coming. Well, it has to, right? Because I knew that was her, like as the character. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, I'm going to go back to Phoenix in the morning. And I'm like, well, fuck, it has to happen tonight. Because like, where, when else, where, where else is going to happen? Unless like she wakes up and her brand new car is like mysteriously broken down or something, right? She has to stay an extra night. But no, you, you knew as soon as she was running that shower water that the scene is coming on. I love how they do it too. Cause you know, I think at that point in the sixties, there's only so much you can show, but with the, um, the knife coming up and then she's covering like her, you know, special lady parts, but the knife is coming back down on her and it's just these quick cutaways to her like horrified face and then uh, blood dripping down, but it's black, you know, black and white um, right do you know what they use for the blood i did at one point but i'm sure you're going to tell me right now there's chocolate syrup chocolate syrup yeah well anyway so the uh the shower scene is great and i think it's like if you were to show this now no way would it work right but because it is psycho and it's alfred chichcock and it's so iconic we you just love it yeah, I mean, obviously, the, they're severely limited with how they can show the death. So for what they could do, it's, it's great. I love the shot that's basically from the wall of the shower. When you see the door just fucking fly open and you see the mom come in, you're like, holy shit, it's the mom. Like, you're putting yourself in the mind of someone who went into this in the 60s not knowing what they're expecting. You're just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... You get like her just laying there, tons of shots. Apparently, the shower scene took seven days to film. Uh, of like the, I think the three weeks this movie took, it's seven, like a third of it was the shower scene. Um, and you get, like I said, the camera is really cool. It like it shows her face just lying on the ground and then pans up and goes out of the bathroom and shows the money, like the thing that got her killed, basically. And then goes up to the house and you hear Norman like scream. And then he runs in. And then we get the most detailed crime scene cleanup cover up I've ever seen. I do want to just talk about the shot that I found the coolest out of that scene was her slowly falling and ripping the shower curtain off of its hinges. I thought that was really cool. And also in 1960, like, is there a Walmart you can go to to quickly buy a shower curtain? Or is that like, you just got to, you know, you got to wait. 
Where do you even get shower curtains? I think the whole point of, of establishing the Bates Motel is the fact that it was on a highway that has since been abandoned. And it's like literally in the middle of nowhere. Right. So that's why there's only so many people who have died and that swamp hasn't filled up yet. <laughs> oh my God. Can we talk about that? It, I, I, I don't know if Hitchcock meant it to be that funny of a scene, but when the car didn't go down all the way and at the first and the look of panic on his face and then yeah, it, <laughs> all of a sudden it's he, this bubbling stops. And he just stares. He's like, wait, what? And whips his head. <laughs> and then it stops or it starts going. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Thank God. I don't know what I would have done. Like, literally, what do you do? What do you do? You like, got to throw leaves pull on it top out. of it. You can't yeah. pull it out and, like, try it again, but uh, whatever. Yeah, no, that was really, really great. One thing I didn't understand, though, is, like, she must have just left her keys in the car because he, he sees the body, and then there's no cuts, and he immediately just walks outside. It's the 60s. You can leave your car unlocked with the keys in there. It's fine. You shouldn't. Not with not with Norman Bates around. <laughs> yeah, let's see though. Uh so yeah, he cleans up and at this point the nineteen sixties audience seeing this for the very first time is thinking, Wow, his mom just <laughs> just killed him and I guess Norman is a, such a loyal son that he's gonna clean up after her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you had to have thought. Um and it I once again don't understand why we took so long to do it, but it, it was it was interesting to see like how much detail was put into it. Um, and right after that, we then get the sister who we have not met until over 50 minutes in the movie coming to see Sam, who we haven't seen for almost 50 minutes in the movie to be like, yo, where the fuck is my sister at? And Sam's and, like, what are you talking about? And then you get the P.I., uh, special shout out to the other dude that worked at the hardware store who like didn't want to leave because he's like, this sounds juicy. I want to stay. And the guy's like, go take your lunch and get out of here. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess I will. So the guy, the PI guy is just kind of like menacingly staring at the, at, at, you know, into the hardware store through the window. And he walks, walks in and he's like, I'd like to talk about Marion. <laughs> and Sam and Lila are like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> what are you and then he just explains himself and is like yep i think she's here i think it's pretty clear he is a he's a great actor i've seen him in other other things um and he's really good in this like i love him in the, like the dialogue and like the the way he like figures things out especially in the next scene we're going to talk about the conversation with norman mm -hmm. is so great uh, and I, I do like the cut of like him going to different hotels and then finally getting to this one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's another thing too. It's like, I don't know if we're just desensitized by all the movie tropes that we've always seen, but you know, he's getting to there eventually. So it's like, get there quicker, please. <laughs> well, this was actually, this was like a good use of like a montage, which there was not throughout the rest of the movie. You could have had a cleanup montage. <laughs> Sure. Um, but yeah, so he finally makes it to the Bates. Once again, Norman is such like a normal acting person. He's just like very personable and very, you know, funny. And but in this case, he's dealing with someone who is trying to solve this and someone who is smarter than him. And he gets caught up in so many lies because he's like, you know, the Arbogast is outside and he's like, oh, hey, you want to come in and register for a room and take some inside? And he's like, well, I don't want to register. I just want to talk to you. And then he's like, you know, I barely even have people register anymore. And Arbogast doesn't mention, doesn't say anything, but it's very purposely put in there because Arbogast have to be thinking like, you just asked me to register two minutes ago, but now you're telling me you don't have people register. That doesn't really make any sense. And, you know, he talks about how he doesn't turn the lights on. He hasn't had someone in weeks. And he's like, but then a minute later mentions a couple who, barely stopped by because the sign was off and he's like oh well you just said you don't have people you don't have people show up you know and, and now and, you're telling and, me there's a couple and then you 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 have the the nervous stuttering of norman bates and you can really see his like you know his uh coolness crack right there well my favorite part when it cracks is this because he's still being pretty cool 
And Arbogast is like, hey, can you let me see the book just in case? And he's like, you know what? Fine. You can see the book. And he brings it out. And Norman from earlier is like, she used a fake name. I'm going to be fine. So he tells him, he's like, yeah, fine. Go look at the book. And then Arbogast is going through it. And he's, and he's like, oh, you know what? I have a handwriting sample. And then you see Norman like start chewing really rapidly in the shot of him like going over with his neck, like protruding, like looking at it. And Arbogast is like, oh, yeah, here she is right here. She used a fake name. And then from there on, the stuttering comes in and the nervousness and eventually to the point of like, all right, I've given you enough time. You need to leave, which I actually thought in his conversation after this, the PI was like, not as suspicious of Norman as he should have been. He was like, oh, you know, some things don't add up. I'm going to go back there instead of like, this dude's very clearly lying to me. Okay. So a couple things is first of all, he's eating candy corn right which is like you shouldn't be doing that and then second of all uh i love how he figures out that she's in room number one because there's absolutely nothing that would tell anyone that she's in she's in room number one norman even put her key back on the hook right so there's exactly the same number number of keys two keys per room but when uh, Norman was so freely to let him join him in like doing all the betting, he purposely skips room number one. And that, that's what tips off the PI thinking, oh. When he actually stutters at room one, he like goes to stop there and then just keeps moving. Like, it's like, no, and keeps moving. And the PI wasn't even following him. He had actually said like, no, thanks. You know, I'm not going to. Um, the other thing too, when he's talking to Norman, he's like, did she make any phone calls? And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, did you spend the night with her? But the way he asks it is just like, you know, did you, did you sleep with her? And he's like, what? No. And he's like, okay, well then you have no way of knowing if she made phone calls. And he's like, uh, uh, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess I don't. It's yeah. like, it's really well done dialogue. It is. Did you think that Norman Bates followed the PI? And in the phone booth was going to kill him in the phone booth. Cause I did. No, I thought, I thought he had just, I mean, he's kind of a, he seems to kind of be a little bit of simpleton. So I think he just, until the mom takes over, he just like, I mean, maybe the mom could have taken over, but he also doesn't seem like he wants to leave this place. Yeah. He's got like an unnatural attachment to it because it's where he killed his mother. Spoiler alert. Um, so yeah, I didn't think, I thought any of the action was going to take place at the hotel. The other thing too, the, the PI is like, oh, is anyone living here? And he's like, no, no one else is here. And he's like, oh, that's weird. I just saw your mom in the window. So once again, is like continually trying to see if he'll lie and catching him every time. And then Norman's like, oh, you know, she didn't, you know, the PI is like, did, she, did you know, I'm not saying she made a fool out of me. He's like, no, she didn't make a fool out of me. And if she did make a fool out of me, she, she certainly wouldn't have fooled my mother which is because they're the same person. But the PI is like, oh, so your mom did meet her. Can I talk to your mom? And he's like, you need to leave now. He's just been like caught too many times, like lying. Yeah. Yeah. I think his words were like, I'm not comfortable of a answering any more questions. It's like, yeah, no shit. Cause you suck at it. <laughs> um, I also love the thing where he's like, can I, you know, can I go into all the rooms or do I, am I going to need a search warrant? And then, um, you know, already establishing that he's a PI and not a cop, right? So I think there's a comfortability that Norman feels when he's like, yeah, this guy can't really do anything within the law. So he's like, no, you know what, dude, I'll take you to every bedroom. Just follow me, at, you know, in the bedding and shit. And then he's like, I want to look in your house. I'm going to talk to your mom. Or am I going to need a warrant for that too? Norman Bates is like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you will. Um. And so he calls Lila and says, you know, hey, I'm going to go back to the hotel. I guess this whole scene is just so that Lila and Sam know to go to the hotel, right? Because otherwise, God. Why, why would they? They wouldn't have thought to go there. No. Um, and he says, like, oh, I think Sam was telling the truth that he hasn't talked to her. And it's like, okay, I guess cool. And then he goes back. And 
it's building all this tension. You see Norman run away. He goes straight up to the house and you have to know like something bad's going to happen to him. And this movie is 61 years old. And let me tell you that scene where he walks up the stairs and the mom rushes out and stabs him is like really fucking good. Like it didn't scare me, but I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Though just the speed that he runs out with and the knife. And what did you think of the shot of him falling back down the stairs as like that, that I guess it's a, it must've been like an, a dolly on an angle. I don't know how they did that, but. So it, was, it is, it is a dolly going down the stairs, but what it is is a, like a green screen behind him. You know, the way they did like old car chases in movies where the car behind was kind of fake. Yeah. So the screen behind him was showing the dolly shot and he was just like, <laughs> falling. Like it doesn't look great, but the shot of the murder from above is really cool. Like, I really like that. Whatever um, camera setup, whatever, like crane they're using. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the entire thing is on a set somewhere in LA, right? Like the the motel, the house, everything is a set, right? Everything except like the, some of the driving stuff. Yeah. Right. So they can take that house apart any which way they want and put, you know, how, like they can take the rooms apart, the house, the roof off the house. It's, it's a set. So that setup that they have where and I think you see it in its full glory at the end of the movie, but you see it here too, where it follows the character up. It's all one shot. It follows the character up the stairs and then over, and then it kind of rounds off the foyer on the upstairs over the bedroom of Norm of Norman Bates's mom, and then hangs itself right like an aerial view of like, you can see the entrance to the room, the top of the stairs and the bottom of the stairs all in the same shot. Right, yeah. No, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so then we're back to Lila and Sam. Sam decides to go to the hotel instead of Lila. He sees the mom, but no one would answer, so they decide to go to the sheriff. Uh, the sheriff scene is, is, is really cool. There's, like, a lot of cool details in it. Nothing that you, like, need to go over. But I think the sheriff scene... And the doctor scene at the end, the shrink, are both like the two things that kind of set up the whole lore of like the baits. You know, the whole reason you can have a television show based off of this is just because of these two kind of tiny scenes. In fact, Hitchcock actually hates the final scene with the shrink and was kind of forced by the studio to put it in to explain it to dumb people, which I think like you could overall get the movie but I think there is some stuff in that shrink dialogue. That's pretty interesting. That goes into like some detail of exactly how it worked. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, I, I, th- I think they could have cut a lot of it. A lot of it's bullshit, but I do, I did like quite a bit of like the, of it in there as well. Um, so the, you have to think how like kind of not smart this is. Cause how many times. Hmm. Okay. So I guess when we, it's funny too. When we first see Mrs. Bates, it's Norman dressed up because it's literally him in the window and moving across the window. Then the other times that we see her in the window, it must be him setting her up in like a chair, her dead body in a chair. (laughs) Yes. But here's my question. If the sheriff and the sheriff's wife, and the people from the town, and it's known that Norma Bates died and is buried 10 years ago, why would you risk putting her in the windowsill? Uh, One, because she's sort of in charge. Two, because he's actually 15 miles away from this town in a place that no one goes to. So he's pretty much by himself. (laughs) And three... She needs a view every once in a while. I didn't have a three, so I'm glad you interjected. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we do find out she's actually been dead for like 10 years and that she killed her husband and then killed herself with strychnine, which you then find out is untrue later on. 
Um, but I think the reveal on that, it's like, Mrs. Bates has been dead for 10 years. Can you imagine how many like minds are blown? And like, if you're in the sixties in that theater, like you're like, what, what the fuck? Right. Cause that's the, that's a cool reveal. But then when you get the, like, you know, cause I could have thought, Oh, he's just pretending to be the mother. I'm like, yeah, he's fucking crazy. But in a way where he's just like, you know, dresses up as her and like, Oh, she's not dead. But to actually like, she's like a part of me. And that's like a, another personality I have, I think is another thing that you get at the end. Well, um, I think, so- I think it's another thing too, is the fact that it sets this up that he really, really likes taxidermy. And then I think it just needs sawdust and some, and a sewing kit. Really? The chemicals are the only thing expensive. Um, no, but think about it this way. If you're, if you're an audience member in the sixties and you just learned, Oh, she's been dead for 10 years. I think one of two things come to your mind, right? He's either been pretending that he's her or he has kept her dead body, but not both. And I think once both are revealed, you're given a what the fuck moment at, at either point, depending on who you are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you could, you could also think too, like, Oh, maybe the mom, maybe the mom didn't die. Maybe she kind of faked it somehow. And like they they even say like, well then whose body is that? Right. 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 Um, because then you're still uh, Hitchcock is still trying to trick the audience by being outside of a room, but clearly hearing two voices. Right. And since it's just them two, it's not like they're putting on a show for anyone around. Absolutely. Yeah. So I still think if you didn't know anything going to the movie, you're still really confused up until the, till the end. Um, so then Norman has the conversation with his mother about putting her in the fruit cellar. She's like, you're not fucking doing that again. <laughs> and then he just like picks her up and it's that same view of like when the PI gets killed. Yeah. Um, and then they go to the sheriff again, Lila and Sam. The sheriff's like, I already went there. Nothing's there. Everything's fine. So then Lila and Sam are like, we got to do this on our own. And so they go to the Bates Motel pretending they're a married couple. Um, and this whole time they're like, oh, oh, you know, they think, oh, you know, this guy stole the money. That's what this is, not what it actually was. And so they keep talking about this money that's been the focal point of so much of the movie and just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Also, these actors are great at acting. Like, they are horrible at acting. What's interesting, too, is Norman... So the way Norman acts with Marion is slightly different from the way he acts with the P.I. is really different than the way he acts with Lila and Sam. Kind of like, they're like, oh, we're just this married couple. And he's like, sure you are. You know what I mean? Like, he's suspicious of them because he's like... Why do I have people don't come to this hotel? I keep having people come to this hotel and now I have a married couple that just wants to stay here. He's like, okay, whatever. I'll play along. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, the whole, I need a receipt thing and, you know, just going through it um, up until them, like even for a movie this old, like the anxiety of as they're searching room one, you're like holy shit like what are they doing why do they like they're not there's nothing in there don't search it the the other thing i think is a real well there was something in there remember next to the toilet um the the one piece of paper the one piece of paper uh and she's like it looks like something has been subtracted from forty thousand. <laughs> but yeah um and, well and the shower curtain missing obviously yeah but i mean is that gonna be that suspicious i don't know well sam know. brought it up that's true i don't even know if i would have noticed it i probably would have just been like well they'd already been in their hotel room but if you just see this hotel you're like fucking cheap hotel doesn't even have a shower curtain but the hangers on a shower curtain now that's suspicious um no what i what i was getting to though was the fact that their story everyone's really bad at lying in this movie but their story is like oh we're married we're going to san francisco and Norman Bates is like, oh, let me get your bags from, from your car. They're like, no bags. And that's when I think he's super suspicious of them. Because who goes to San Francisco with no luggage? And he's like, okay, well, let me show you to your room. And then he's like, isn't there a fee for no bag? For, for also, is that a common thing in the 60s that you have to pay extra if you don't have luggage? 
Well, despite my vast experience with dealing with common things in the 60s, I'm unaware of this, so I don't know. I just thought that was a weird detail. And then it's like, he's like, 10 bucks, $10. I don't know. It, the, that whole thing, I think, you know, that was suspicious enough that he now is like, now nah, you guys are fucking here for something. Well, what's interesting too is after they're done searching the room, they come out, the wife goes one way, he goes the other, and Bates has been in the office this whole time. And it's right. like, did he look through the people? Did he hear them? Oh, I'm sure he did. And well, obviously he didn't though, right? What do you what do you mean? Well, because he doesn't act like he heard them, right? He doesn't like if the way he's been he he's committed a murder. If you realize these people are like searching a room, you're like looking for a way to kill this dude. But until he realizes that Lila has gone to go talk to his mother, you know, he's like, oh, yes. Just- yeah. You're right. You're right. Because he would have been way more suspicious at that point. If he did, if he has been listening. So, and then Sam is like, okay, well I'll talk to him in the office and in the parlor. But then Sam just is like an idiot and is like accusing him of stuff. And it's just, instead of just having a conversation with the guys like, oh yeah, huh? Bet you a lot of money would help you, right? Huh? Would money help you? <laughs> Bet you want to buy a new hotel, don't you? It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? So it'd be real nice if exactly $40,000 landed in your lap right now. And I also wonder too, if when people who didn't have any any knowledge going into this did you still expect as lila's going through the house like the mom to just jump out and stab her you know what i mean like because that is the tension that's kind of building i don't you and i didn't expect that but you know there is like a nice jump scare where the uh she sees herself in the mirror real quick yeah um but otherwise it's like that even you know nothing's going to happen there's tension created and then sam gets himself knocked out well, hold on, hold on. I, I want to talk about something before you get to that part about it. She's investigating. and She's going all throughout the house. And the first room she goes into is, you know, Mrs. Bates' room. Now, there's a lot of creepy stuff about this because it's like you walk into this room and there's all these mirrors and it's like this fake jump scare. She opens up the closet. There's all of her dresses. I felt like the creepiest part of this was the indentation in the bed. Right. Did you feel like absolutely creeped out when you saw that? I don't know how to describe this, but it just looked like a very effeminate way to sleep. Because that's how he put her body in the bed. I guess, but I also, I thought it could have obviously been the body, but then it could have been him sleeping in in there. So the reason I think it's this is because it, it was the body is because the indentation was so heavy, right? And it, it, it felt like something you would, you would put and then leave it for 10 years. That's how heavy the indentation in the bed was. And then when she went into presumably what was his room, I thought right. that was even creepier because this is like a 25-year-old man and his room is of a room that hasn't been changed since he was 11. It almost looks like a like an attic type thing, like a not, you know, a very small Caught. space. Yeah. Yeah, and he could have had this entire house, but he's like hasn't grown up since he killed his mom. I I think that that says a lot. I mean, look at the extravagant room his mom lived in and the shithole he slept in. And I thought that was a great way of representing again symbolism david representing his like diminishing factor and him being in the small room and then his mom room being like the the piece of his mind that's taking over having the more extravagant large room i don't know his, the symbolism his mom has more room <laughs> in the she house and in his head <laughs> she doesn't need it though no she, she just needs the fruit cellar I didn't see any fruit in the fruit cellar either. <laughs> I was, there could have been tons of fruit. I was way too distracted by so, what was actually in the fruit cellar. Before we get exactly to the ending, I do want to mention how great the score of this movie is, how iconic it is. Yes. Like those just very violent strings throughout. So when she walks into the cellar, and I don't understand the, the physics on how she touches the mom's shoulder and then the chair just rolls around on its own. But, you know, whatever. 
Um, and then she screams and you just hear those strings and then you hear loud fucking footsteps of this man just coming to kill. And when he comes around in that fucking dress, that fucking face, I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Like, and, I, and the light, the light bulb is swinging back and forth. I did not expect the ending to be that great. And oh my gosh, it's so great. And that, like uh, that, re- even though you expect the reveal, that reveal is so amazing. And the dead body, they did a really good job of making that look as creepy as possible, you know? Um, yes, they did. Now, I did not expect Sam rushing in and stopping him at the last second. I thought that was cool. I like that. I don't even know. After it happened, I was like, I don't even know how else you could have ended it, honestly. Were you just going to have enough? I w- that was one thing I was wondering. Is is this the type of thing where he gets away with it and he kills both of them? Um, but I appreciated this ending much more just because we get like a lot more information. Um, Mm-hmm. And then, and then we get the psychiatrist, you know, saying that he killed your sister. Well, actually, you, he didn't. the The mom did. Oh no, the mom says that he did it. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever. Norman slash Norma. He killed, you know, your sister. He killed the PI. Killed two other young girls that are missing. Um, or he asks about these missing cases, and we're just supposed to assume. Um, but yeah, then the shrink goes into this whole backstory and this is like the lore that's created around this. And I, I get the argument that it's just like, it's spelling it out too much. It's dumbing it down too much for, for the audience. But there is, like I said, there's some stuff in there that I really appreciated. If you cut that out or shorten it, um, the true, true ending, I guess you would call it, I thought was one of the best parts was the cop goes in gives norman the blanket and you hear his mom's voice being like thank you and then they close and lock the door now we're inside and we're just close up close you know we're slowly panning in on norman's face and this entire inner voice dialogue between him and him (laughs) i guess you would say is so creepy and fascinating and great and then the fly, and he's like, oh, you can't say it's not even her to fly. And then the superimposition of her skull on his face for like half a split second. Oh, man, if, if you weren't fucking freaked out by the end of that movie and you were a teen from the 1960s, something's wrong well, with you. Especially his face, right? The way his face contorts at the end and the evil smile. Yeah. It's so great. What did you think about the last shot being them pulling the car out of the swamp? What do you think that like represented? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I read some stuff about some symbolism of like the chain connecting Norman and his mother and it went through his heart and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't mind it, I guess, but the, the shot that's going to stay with you is, is the smile of Norman, which is like, you see in photos all the time like i saw that before it i saw that before i watched the movie like it was on imdb and when you then first meet norman you're like holy shit this dude's like so normal like that's why i think it's such a great performance i mean it's obviously like a a little bit of a showy performance because he gets to do so much with it but um yeah yeah, that's the thing that sticks with me do you think his name is a little uh on the nose uh norman bates and he's normal until he baits you (laughs) <laughs> and then he fucking kills you. I didn't get that part. Apparently, Hitchcock, when he was, whenever he summoned him onto set, would call him Master Bates. Nice. Yeah. Apparently, he was a five-year-old. <laughs> um, I this is one thing that I think is really cool. Some background on the movie is that I think it was Paramount who financed this, and they, after like doing it which just really didn't want to have anything to do with it they didn't think it was going to make any money so hitchcock <laughs> bought the rights to the novel for nine grand bought up as many copies of the novel as he could so people wouldn't know how it ends spent eight hundred thousand making it and instead of taking his normal like two hundred thousand that he would get for making a movie got 60 percent of the profit participation 
and ended up making $15 million, which in today's money or like 20, whatever, was $120 million. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Dude. Yeah, which is just such like the most ballin' move ever. I do, I do want to say uh, the, the TV show on A&E, well, not anymore on A&E, but um, the Bates Motel TV show, I watched that. Uh, funny enough before watching this right um but i watched that years ago when it was still like airing new seasons and stuff that was really good and the guy who plays uh norman bates on the show freddie highmore just taking that as the only example of like who norman bates is i was like okay whatever and then watching uh, Anthony Perkins play Norman Bates. I'm like, holy fuck. Like they're the same person. They did such a key. Freddie Highmore did such a good job trying to match the innocent boy next door with the creepy dude like vibe. It, it, it worked out so well. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched, where I finally watched Psycho. And that was Alon and this is David. And I also finally watched Psycho.